listening to Tuesday's Law and Gospel. It's a Rumination Tuesday as we're going to take a look at the hymn. And what is the name of the hymn? Oh, Vision Type. Oh, Vision Fair. With Pastor Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Looking forward to this, Transfiguration Sunday and then Lent soon following after. Oh, boy. Have you got a theme for Lent yet? No, but I've been pondering it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's right. You're not preaching. <laughs> but you might occasionally come in. Does your church have a theme? Have it, has it been announced? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Yes. Well... This hymn, believe it or not, we don't know who wrote it. It's anonymous. No kid. Really? John oh, it's a, Mason Neal. John Mason Neal yeah. was the translator of verses 1 to 4. And we already talked about him in another hymn. He was actually one who recovered Latin and Greek hymnody in the English language. He was an Anglican and died early in life, but was really very good in getting the hymn across. This hymn, we do know that William the Conqueror of Normandy assumed role in England in 1066, and he began to replace Anglo-Saxon bishops with Norman prelates. And in 1078, Osmond of Normandy melded Celtic and Anglo-Saxon liturgy, resulting in what's called the Sarum Rite, S-A-R-U-M, or properly the Sarum Use. Now, a rite is a large family of liturgies, and a use is a local variant of the Roman Rite. And it was from this that the anonymous Latin hymn for the Transfiguration has come to us. So it's got kind of a little background there. Yeah, but it's we're a great hymn. Taking, uh, yes, it is the hymn selected for this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday. Um, what is Transfiguration Sunday? Well, the church has chosen to place Transfiguration Sunday as the last Sunday of Epiphany and the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday, which begins the season of Lent. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it, uh, other parts of the church had placed it even in the summer. But uh, I think it's appropriately placed where it is, right before the season of Lent, because it is it is Epiphany. It's the it's the it's the final and perhaps the you know the greatest unveiling of Jesus, where he where he gives us just a glimpse of his heavenly glory. Yes, the earliest manuscripts were around the 14th and 15th centuries, which was the same pe period during which the Feast of the Transfiguration was becoming popular in England. So a lot of people did not celebrate that, but uh, we certainly do. And it's because of a specific reading that we have for 
Transfiguration Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and I and uh, of course, uh, I believe the the reason one of the reasons why Jesus showed his transfiguration at this time is because it was getting close to his uh, close to his passion, close to his suffering and death, and he wanted his three uh, closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, uh, to have this vision because he knew that it wouldn't be long and they'd be they'd be seeing they'd be he- hearing of his death on the cross. They wanted they wanted him to get that glimpse of glory to to uplift them so they could uplift the other disciples as well. Exactly. So why don't we start with stanza one, please? All right. O wondrous type, O vision fair, of glory that the church may share, which Christ upon the mountain shows, where brighter than the sun he glows. Now, the word type is something that would need to be explained to the children if you're doing this hymn ahead of time, knowing that your church is going to take a look at it. It's it's actually meaning a kind of a sort or a kind. In fact, in 1 Peter 3.21, the apostle teaches that the great flood of Genesis 6-9 was a type or example of the greater flood of holy baptism, both of which kill and bring to life. So this also is a type that we need to take a look at. Who are the people on the mountain? Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. And there's two, there's two heavenly uh, people that join, that join Jesus on that mountaintop. That's Elijah and Moses. And you missed out on one. Let's see, Jesus. Oh, yes, God the Father spoke I out know. of the cloud. That's why yeah. I asked which people. Right. A lot of people think we're just talking about human beings, but no doubt God the Father is a person. So this is a wondrous type, and that's what we're going to be looking at, a type of what and a vision fair of glory well, the hymn, that... The hymn speaks of it as a type. I take that to mean like a like a foreshadowing of the glory that the church, we in the church... Will also share. Uh, he Jesus gives him. He gives us not a, not only a vision of himself and his glory, but also the type of glory that we will share when when we're resurrected. Uh, yes, body I, is, I think uh, that's body and soul. Part of the transfiguration, but I'm thinking the type is really a type of Jesus because who are the two prophets that were mentioned? Well, you said Moses and Elijah. Yes. And Moses is best known for what? The, uh, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Right. And, and leading and, a, and leading Jerusalem, leading the Israelites uh, to the promised land. And Elijah is best known as, uh, as a great prophet of the Old Testament. Um, yes. Now, I believe they are types for Jesus, because both of these actually really had to contend with great cruelty. Moses with Pharaoh 
and Elijah with Ahab. And Jesus also had great cruelty against him and fulfilled, this is important, the law of Moses and the letter of the word of the prophets by doing and saying all things that had been written about him. So don't we refer to Jesus as the new Moses? And remember when he asked his disciples, you know, who do people say that I am? One of the options was that he was Elijah. Right. So uh, the type refers to Jesus also. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, of course we need to make the point that Jesus is not just an, a new Moses. He's, In fact, it, sa it says in the scripture, uh, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we should make that distinction. Okay. So let's go on to stanza two. Okay. Our, go ahead. With Moses and Elijah nigh, the incarnate Lord holds converse high. And from the cloud, the Holy One bears record to the only Son. Yes. It's interesting when you read Mark, he first mentions Elijah, then he mentions Moses. Whereas Luke mentions Moses and Elijah, and Peter in the Gospel of Mark always puts them in that order, Moses and Elijah, thinking that we're talking chronologically. But Jesus is more Elijah than he is Moses, as you indicated. He's not bringing a new law that we have to follow. Now, in Mark, it doesn't say what they talk about, Moses and Elijah. What do the other Gospels say? Well, I think Luke Luke and uh, Matthew both, I think, yes. talk about yes. uh, Elijah and Moses are talking to Jesus about his his departure, or the actual the actual word that is used is his, his exodus. That is his Excellent. departure, which yep. he will accomplish in just a short time on that cross outside Jerusalem. And that's what they're talking about. One of the things that I find interesting is people will often ask, you know, Law and Gospel, Open Mic Friday, are we going to be able to recognize people in heaven? Did Jesus introduce to the disciples Moses and Elijah? That's what's interesting. We're not we're not told that he did, but no. But uh, the the uh, the gospel writer just makes the point that Moses and Elijah were there. But you're right. There's no introduction, which is interesting. So it's I like don't. They recognized him right away. Yes, I don't think in heaven we're going to have trouble recognizing Jesus. Of course. No. But I don't think we'll have trouble recognizing people like Martin Luther, the Apostle Paul, etc. That's just kind of a guesstimate on the basis of this, Yeah, that they didn't know at all who they were talking to. But they recognized them, and that's really interesting. Now, there's nothing in this hymn about what Peter then says, but we should bring that in. What does he want to happen? Yeah, Peter is so uplifted uh, 
by this vision of Jesus and his glory and also Moses and Elijah that he talks about. He says, Lord, it, it's it's good for us to be here. Why don't we why don't we build three shelters or booths, as some might say, uh, yes. uh, one for you, one for Elijah and one for Moses. He wants to he wants to basically camp out on top on that high mountain because it's such an exhilarating experience. He wants and, to stay up there, stay up there forever, or at least for a long time. But the Bible says very clearly, he did not know what to say, yeah. for they were afraid and terrified. Yes, yes that's good so, point, right. He was making Jesus equal to Elijah and Moses, and we're going to find out that that was wrong. But I'll read stanza three. Okay. With shining face and bright array, Christ deigns to manifest today what glory shall be theirs above who joy in God with perfect love. Now, that was your point, that this is really about looking forward to the glory. But will we be on the Mount of Transfiguration? Not literally, no, but uh, we'll be raised uh, with glorified bodies and uh, that will join our souls. And um, we, will, we will be in, in glory. Uh, what all that means, we only have a, a type or a foreshadowing of that in this, in this uh, picture of the, of the transfiguration of Jesus. I believe there is something that happens here on earth that approximates being at the transfiguration. Let's see. I think I've heard you mention this before. I'd be anxious to know what it is. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Okay. All right. I was wondering if that's what you were referring to. Yes. That, uh, yeah, that, uh, that is a high point. It is a, it's a foretaste. It's spoken of as a foretaste of the of the feast that is to come. In that, the, in that's the very good. Yeah. In fact, that's also said about the transfiguration. It's a foretaste because Jesus says that there will be some living who will still see the glory of God. Now, what's he referring to? Because everybody's dead right now of that time, except for Jesus. But Mark puts the transfiguration in between Jesus' baptism, where the Father said, this is my beloved Son, and the resurrection. And guess what happened right after the transfiguration is the crucifixion and resurrection. Yes. So that's how I believe it's a wondrous type in vision fair because we now are in glory, having become Christians and therefore receiving the glory of God. Yes, and and even so, that's that's a foretaste. I mean, on 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 the, in the resurrection, when our bodies are ra raised in glory, uh, we have we have no idea the glory that awaits us in the resurrection and when we yes. when our 
our bodies to raise again, glorified. I think Thanks we can so. only yep. we yep. can only in, imagine it. All right. Would you read stanza four? Sure. And faithful hearts are raised on high by this great vision's mystery, for which in joyful strains we raise the voice of prayer, the hymn of praise. Now, what's the um, Jerome translated the word mystery into something else? Do you remember what that was? Uh, Mysterium? Is it sacramentum? Yes, excellent. Sacramentum, yeah. And that's why I want to kind of connect the transfiguration with the sacrament. Because, yes, they were in the presence of Jesus. They heard the speaking. But more importantly, they or we receive the very body and blood of Christ in our mouths. That's right. And so... This great vision's mystery is a foretaste. When it says that Jesus' clothes turn to white, it's kind of somewhat fascinating to look up that word white and find out that that was the same word used for the clothing of the angel at the resurrection. Yeah. And it was in white. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that's you mean, what we you mean at, at Jesus' resurrection, right? Yes, at Jesus' resurrection. And so that's kind of important. Now, something about the Father. Let's read stanza five. Okay. O Father with the eternal Son and Holy Spirit ever one, we pray thee, bring us by thy grace to see thy glory face to face. Now, Tom, I've got a question for you. Uh, we know the Father speaks out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And, yes. of course, Jesus is there himself. There's God the Son. Um, I'm, I'm sure the Holy Spirit's got to be there somewhere. What would you right. What would you explain for that? Would you say, well, would you say that, that maybe Elijah and Moses are also speaking by the Holy Spirit, as well as Jesus himself. Well, because they did speak God's word, it had to be by the Holy Spirit. Right. Remember, all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And is profitable. So, yes, when they were speaking, and they knew about the Exodus. What yes. I find quite interesting is that when it says... This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, the disciples no longer saw anyone but Jesus. Yes. In other words, Jesus is the one to whom we listen, even yes. when talking about Moses and Elijah. Yes. So this is really important for congregations what who are say who are calling pastors they want to have a pastor who speaks god's word as jesus does and administers the sacraments as jesus described them to be administered that's right very important for a pastor to do that now why would jesus 
It's not part of the hymn. He charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Well, why did he say that to him? Or why did to he say disciples. that to the disciples? Yeah, yes. he was he was to speak of it after after his uh his resurrection. But yes. um well I, I I'm trying to remember this now. I would I would say Jesus did not want anything anything to uh interrupt his plan as far as his departure, as far as his his passion. He did not he did not want uh Perhaps Jesus was concerned that if this account of his transfiguration on the mount uh, got out, it might might have a way of uh, of perhaps getting in the way of what do you think? Oh yeah, I think that's excellent because remember when he fed five thousand, what did they want to do? They wanted to make him a bread king. Exactly. So. They did not have an understanding of the work of the Messiah because when Jesus told his disciples, and by the way, he said to them, don't tell anybody about this. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. This did not resonate in their minds because that was not what they considered the disciple of the Messiah to be. That's right. And remember how Peter Peter wanted to get in the way of that. He said, "Oh no, this this can never happen to you, Lord." Yes. And and remember what Jesus said: "Get thee behind me, Satan." He says, "Oh, that's what I came to do. That's what I came to accomplish. Most of all, was was your redemption on the cross." It, it wasn't that Peter was Satan, right? But he was being used by Satan as his mouthpiece, much like we are. Yeah. So this is really. Uh, a festival where Jesus really shows, you mentioned something that was good. This is the end of the epiphany season. And what was the epiphany season to do? It's to unveil Jesus, to reveal him. Yes. So the hiddenness of Jesus was unveiled on the Mount of Transfiguration, just as his hiddenness is unveiled in worship by the readings, the hymns, the liturgy, and the sermon, and particularly the holy sacraments. So that kind of concludes our taking a look at O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair. I'll be singing it at the four churches I'm taking care of this week, depending on the weather. Thank you very much, Mark Smith, and we're going to be taking a look at a very kind of perceptive analysis of law and gospel. Having finished Walther's Law and Gospel, we're going to talk about law that is not heard that often in churches. I'm Tom Baker, Mark Smith. God bless you.
Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.